0: Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. (laughs) Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, (laughs) pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast. Hi, it's me, Margaret Bonikowska, your Polcast host and producer. Polcast is produced in Toronto, Canada, and it's the only English language podcast not just about Poland, but also about Poles around the world and many interesting connections of others with Poland. You can learn all about Polcast and check out the fascinating stories featured so far on our website www.mypolcast.com. Welcome to Polcast episode 77. Polcast has always been politics free, but now it's really impossible to stick to this rule. So much is happening in Poland with daily protests on the streets, both in big cities and in small towns. Referred to as Strykobiet, women's strike, it did start as a protest against making already very strict abortion law in Poland, even stricter. But it has developed into a lot more than that. It's an unprecedented movement for human rights, respect for the rule of law, and against the populist Polish government. In this episode 77, you will meet two amazing experts who will talk about Poland and will help you understand what is going on there and why. The conference of Polish ambassadors issues a lot of statements. It recently issued two, which we published in Gazeta, of course. One supporting strike Kobiet Polish women's struggle for their rights, and the other one strongly criticizing the current Polish government's threat to veto the European Union's seven-year budget in response to the European Union's decision to link its funding to their members countries' respect for rule of law which in Poland, of course, is a big problem. To learn more about the group, but also to talk about the current situation in Poland and its position in the world now under the populist government of the ruling Law and Justice Party, I'm speaking to Paweł Dobrowolski, a historian, an academic, a university lecturer, an author of over 40 books and articles in the field of history, and an accomplished diplomat. He was Consul General of the Republic of Poland in Edinburgh, Spokesman for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ambassador of the Republic of Poland to Canada in the years 2000 to 2004, Deputy Director in the Department of America at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ambassador of the Republic of Poland to Cyprus, and more and more. Conference of Ambassadors of Poland to many different countries. This is an organization in which you're very active, and we get a lot of statements by your organization. Can you tell us when was it created, who are the members, and what is your exact goal? What are you trying to achieve by having this organization?
1: The Conference of Ambassadors was uh, was actually set up about two and a half years ago. It is a, It is an informal Voluntary association of the, you can say, like minded former Polish ambassadors uh, serving under different governments and in different countries uh, from Australia to Norway, from India to Canada. I'm happy to say now it numbers about 40 members. We are uh, in touch, uh, I would say, daily and we meet weekly, probably the Polish community in Canada will be very happy to learn that uh, our moderator or our chairman of this uh, informal gathering is... Former ambassador to Canada, Piotr Grudzinski. And I'm also happy to say that uh, the Canadian presence, so to speak, that means uh, the former Polish ambassadors to Canada constitute quite a, quite a big group. There is four of us, actually. Ambassador Tadeusz Diem, some of the readers are, i'm sure remember this is the 1990s uh, as well as one of the uh, recent ones that means martin Bosacki, who is l- less active perhaps in the in the recent uh, months uh, for obvious reason that he is a member of the polish senate um, and and he, he he went into the politics the reason that we that we decided to set up this uh, this watchdog, so to speak, uh, was the dramatic deterioration of the Polish international standing. And of course, if we are going to speak about this situation as of today, I am searching for the word which could substitute for the dramatic. It is much more than, than the dramatic. And we do use the media, those free media that still exist in, in this country, to uh, propagate our positions. We, we issue statements. The, the recent one, uh, which you you know already, and um, re- relates to the potential Polish government veto to the EU budget. But there were about 20 different other statements and actions that we that we have taken hoping that uh, a drop may break the stone sooner or later probably later but nevertheless we are committed to to saying how it is to telling the polish people the truth about uh, the collapse of the polish international standing as we see it now
0: well, we're so happy to have so many former Canadian or Polish ambassadors to Canada.
1: I knew you were going to say that, yeah.
0: I am so happy. I really am so happy. And thank you. They're and actually the you.
1: largest, the largest group.
0: We only wish we had more of you here, but unfortunately, that's not the case.
1: That is not the case.
0: No, that is not the case. Okay. Does anybody listen to you? And what I mean is, does, for example, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, do you, are you speaking? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I know
1: you were going to laugh. We have now now, to to, to answer very, very uh, uh, truthfully. There is a response. Sometimes it's a hate um, that that, uh, tries to cover us. We we do have. We have opened uh, a website where we publish our statements. And as I said, we do have a response occasionally. Sometimes it's a very negative response. But this is practice in in Poland that you have a, a hate flood trying to cover you and, and silence you, but this is not something that, mm-hmm. that we're particularly worried about. Yeah, please remember, I'm speaking about the reach Polish society is not particularly interested in foreign affairs. And uh, This is not only the case of, of the Polish, this is the case of many other societies as well. International matters are quite complicated at times, that's, that's point number one. Point number two is that uh, people do not relate uh, what is happening in the world immediately to their everyday lives. Of course, w- when I say that, I'm quite aware that very soon, if the Polish government vetoes the EU budget, uh, the Polish will feel or their pockets will will feel the the impact of that Uh, we simply point certain discrepancies to put it mildly that appear in uh, what Poland goes through and what it has been going through in the last uh, couple of years at least five where we notice an an obvious uh, decline of um, the Polish position in the world and the Polish position in Europe in particular.
0: It's very interesting that you said that people are generally not interested in foreign affairs and foreign policies of their governments as long as they're safe and okay right what i would like to ask you is what do you think are the most important the most pressing issues in foreign policy um, of the government that we have now what should be immediately changed and if there is there any way in which those changes can produce good results or is it too late
1: well, it's never too late. You know, I'm, I am a historian by profession. So I look at the social and political change with a certain amount of distance. Not Nothing is given forever. Uh, and uh, I think that PIS government is going to collapse sooner or later, probably sooner, actually. But nevertheless, uh, one thing that has happened in Poland, which is a disaster, is that there is no public dialogue. There is no, no way in which the government wishes to listen because the government knows best. This position, of course, is detrimental to any sort of uh, moving forward or taking um, into consideration the views of uh, not only the political opposition, which is in a precarious position that nobody listens to. Actually. Uh, nobody takes uh, seriously what they want. You You said... Can we change the present uh, actions of the Polish government? I am a pessimist. No, we can't. No, we can't. The government has, uh, or the government, the party, the leading party. We are back in the 19. 80s with the change of colors. We no longer have a a dominant communist party. We have a far-right nationalist government that is leading Poland to the political vacuum in Europe. Please remember, and and, and maybe I am looking through a very dark glasses right now, but please remember that regardless of the fact that uh, the Polish government may veto or may not veto the budget, The damage has already been done. We are being perceived, Poland is being perceived as the country that has left the system of values, that has disengaged itself from the system of values, which is relevant for the functioning of the European Union or the Western world. Simply, we are in the vacuum. Now, I am leaving it to political scientists, to to ask why is this government so keen on placing Poland in the Central European hole outside of the influence of EU, which has been beneficial. This is, you know, the rough numbers speak the Mm. truth and I don't have to repeat that. It's 120 odd billion euro over the time from uh, 2004 until today that Poland has benefited from. There is no other comparable economic and social change in the Polish history comparable to, to the period 2004, 2020. Now, if we are moving out of this uh, integrated world we are alone. The obvious things that come to uh, anybody's mind is that uh, Polish loneliness in the political world of 20th century reminds me of Polish loneliness um, in in the previous century, and we know what was the price. Now, I'm not saying immediately that the Russian tanks will roll into Poland in in the next uh, two, three, four months. No, this is is, a completely unnecessary, but it does leave Poland in a very vulnerable position vis-a-vis both the East and the West. Our NATO partners, our Brussels partners in Europe are already looking with enormous surprise of what is going on and where are we going. Waving the Polish flag is a very uh, pleasant exercise, but waving it just in order to stand alone on the heap of rubble, is rather an exercise that is against the Polish raison d'etat. We are witnessing right now a turnaround and going back into the past that has not been very fortunate for for this country. This is not a rosy history. We should draw lessons from it. Unfortunately, the, the government is so blind to its own ideological position that it does not Take into consideration any warning signs. Nevertheless, I think these warning signs and these statements of warning, such as this, uh, the one that, that the Conference of Ambassadors has issued, need to be repeated over and over again because there is a time, there will be a time where Polish society will wake up. I I am absolutely sure this may not happen in the next week and the next uh, six months, but it will definitely happen. The problem with democracy, this is one of these awkward sayings that are sometimes quoted, the problem with democracy is that uh, when the question is asked what democracy is, uh, a rather bitter answer sometimes is given that a democracy is a system which allows the people to choose their own dictators. This is precisely what the Poles have done. This is something I'm saying to my students when I teach them the history of European diplomacy.
0: Well, you, you talk about Poland waking up. It looks like Poland has woken up. Yes. Uh, if we look in the streets if, and if we look into the uh, if we look in the streets if we look what's happening even in little towns in Poland it's unbelievable it's never happened before but i do want to ask you two other questions one question is about Poland's geopolitical location we're talking to people who are not only poles a lot of our listeners are people who are just interested in Poland or have polish friends relatives or colleagues and that's why they listen to this podcast So maybe just very briefly, because we always hear that, right, we have a very special, very unique geopolitical situation that has implications for almost everything. Dr. Bonikowska,
1: you you should be a diplomat. Ah. You're saying we have a unique position, we have a tragic position. Look at the map and look at the, the last couple of hundred years of what is going on, being located in between to large powers, Germany and and Russia, has always been a Polish predicament. How do you solve that question? You can can solve it in various ways. You can solve it by trying to be as powerful as they were or are. We haven't done that. It's not possible. We don't have the, the demographic and economic potential. We can try to talk our position into a place where we feel safe. This is what we've done in 2004. Please, let me just remind you that uh, when I was talking to the Polish community in Toronto uh, before the referendum on Mm -hmm. Polish membership in 2004, I heard two or three or four Extremely agitated ladies sitting in the back rows of one of the Toronto theatres who were shouting at me that I am betraying the Polish history because what will happen in 2004 and after will be that the Germans will come and they will buy us out and that of course we are betraying the, the traditional Catholic values. Well, uh, my answer is that arable land possessed by the foreigners in Poland today, which is which is uh, what 16 years after after we joined is below 5% and as to the, the traditional catholic values i think the names of wilbinovich and and answer answered the question perfectly that they need to rephrase that question initially coming back to the geopolitics we have actually over the years 1990 and 2004 achieved something that poland has never done when i talk to my students i showed them two maps i showed them the polish kingdom of 1640s, which was the largest country in Europe, one million square kilometers, twice as big as France. And then I showed them the map of Europe in 1850, where you don't have a Poland on the map at all. This is the unique case of a vanishing state. Nobody else in Europe has a history in which once you were a territorial superpower and you blew it all in a couple of hundred years and you disappeared physically from the map of Europe. This is unheard of. Countries don't disappear, but voila, the Poles did that. They were able to disintegrate in such a way that they fell into this hole, this vacuum, which I mentioned before. We are on the way to be in that vacuum again. This is Polish geopolitics. In between 1990 and 2004, we managed to anchor Poland safely we thought safe. All the Polish governments of those those years managed to anchor Polish Poland safely in the Western world. First through NATO in 1999. I remember uh, as a NATO country ambassador, my talks with the Canadian government, they were completely different talks than when we were not members uh, of NATO. We joined the club of the Secure Atlantic Association, right? Uh, and the second one, perhaps the, even the more important one, from the point of view of a civilizational progress was the EU membership in 2004, which meant that the poor country that Poland has always been impoverished under communism in a terrible way, impoverished by the Second World War even more, suddenly found those billions, which I which I mentioned before, which were used quite well when you move around Poland, when you travel, sure. you, you you see how well that money has been spent. So uh, these two anchors somehow work against the Polish historical curse. Now we are calling that curse to come again, and this is my. My geopolitical answer to your question.
0: My next question is about politica historična, And you're a historian, so there's nobody better than you.
1: Can I switch off and run away?
0: <laughs> no, stay, please, because you know it all. Politika historična. This is what the government is talking about, right? And I want you to tell my listeners and myself as well, what is the relationship between history, which obviously is of great importance to any nation, and politics, and contemporary issues, and how we should see our foreign relations, and the future, because the future is what it's all about, isn't it?
1: Dr. Bonikowska, my my, my, uh, simplest question is, who's calling for the pizza today? Because (laughs) we may may be spending, of course, in your case, I think it's the morning, and in my case, pizza is quite quite a logical solution. It's three o'clock. But you are putting your fingers in a subject that has uh, immense potential for for debate. And whatever I say, it will be rather awkward and uh, half true, in a sense, because we should have spent uh, hours on that. But... To try and answer your, your question.
0: And briefly.
1: <laughs> and brief, and that's not possible. Every country is promoting its own image. <clears throat> this is normal. This is typical. This is called soft power. It's a sociological invention uh, by the Americans. Uh, the book by Professor Joseph Nye, written many years ago, is the Bible of those who do that. The problem is... What do you promote and how? The Polish historical politics or historical policy, Politika Historicna, is simply unfair because it is using fragments, selected fragments of Polish history, to enhance the position and the theory behind government's ideology. We are closing our eyes on many issues related to the very rich and sometimes happy and sometimes unhappy Polish past, but we are choosing. Only selected issue. I need not say, give an example of uh, the Polish Jewish relations because my friend. Uh, professor of Ottawa University, yeah. Professor Grabowski has written about that quite extensively, but this is just an example. Politika historicna in the in the shape that it is used has nothing to do with promoting soft power. It is a pure ideology, very similar in its primitive uh, shape to what the communist government has been doing in the 70s or, or in the 1960s in Poland. This is simply manipulating the facts for your own ideological aims. It has nothing to do with history. Probably the history is the greatest loser in this way because it is being used to promote the untrue.
0: Okay, Paweł Dobrowolski becomes the Minister of Foreign Affairs in Poland. What is he going to do right away?
1: Commit suicide
0: but before would you change anything is there anything to be done what would you change right away you guys you former ambassadors who know it all who have so much collective experience if you were given an opportunity to take the reins what would you do
1: that's a perfect question but of course it's a question that makes my gray hair even grayer i would say i would pick up the phone and call 25 of the selected world readers, and say, gentlemen, Poland is back on the course of diplomacy that is based on democracy, the rule of law, and uh, being a truthful partner in the effort to do something with the world in the 21st century. And obviously, uh, one of my my, uh, people whom I would definitely call would be the Prime Minister of Canada. But uh, that is just the beginning of the road. You are asking an extremely uh, painful question because the uh, one thing that is obvious, we have no chance of reconstructing the past. Poland over 2010, 2004, 2007 is gone. It's gone forever. We need to look into the 21st century with a completely fresh eye. And because I am the man of the 20th century, I think this is the time for a younger generation to uh, tell us how would they want this country to look. It definitely does not want Poland to look as it does right now.
0: For many years in my professional life, I kept bumping into people saying, How come? You guys have the same name. Yes, Małgorzata Bonikowska was everywhere. And we share not only the first and last names, but a number of elements in our biographies are the same. We're both from Warsaw. We both are graduates of the University of Warsaw. Both studied in foreign language departments. Me in English, she in Italian. We both have PhDs, we both have been university lecturers and academics and journalists, and we have numerous common friends. Then she and I made friends on Facebook, and finally, this February, when I was in Warsaw, we met for the very first time. The location was also quite special for me shop and salon, just across the building where I grew up and lived until the age of 19 on Smolna Street in Warsaw, in the downtown core of the beautiful city of Warsaw. We talked and talked and talked. Well, in this episode, I wanted to talk to Małgorzata Bonikowska about Poland, so we connected on Zoom. Well, let me introduce Dr. Małgorzata Bonikowska to you a political scientist, an EU expert, a government consultant, an academic. She is the president of the Center for International Relations, one of the oldest Polish think tanks specializing in foreign affairs, a co-founder and president of the Think Tank Center. She has worked for the Polish television as a journalist, is an author of more than 150 works, and has commented on international affairs in the Polish and foreign media. Wow, this is a very special interview for me, because I'm interviewing Małgorzata Bonikowska. She's not Małgorzata P. Bonikowska, but I have to tell you that the only reason why I kept my P was because of her. Wow. So, no, it is. I didn't even know it. You didn't? Mm -hmm. I thought I told you when we first met,
2: no? Yes, you told me when we met, but we haven't met for so many years that I didn't know
0: earlier that this was true. That is true. But I knew about your existence. So in in so many cases in my life, people would say, oh, Małgorzata Bonikowska, but you don't look like Małgorzata Bonikowska. (laughs) And it was always about you. So, yeah. Of course, the story is quite amazing. We have the same first name, the same last name. And because my name is hyphenated, I kept my P so that we are not exactly the same. So, Małgorzata, welcome to podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you
2: so much for inviting me.
0: After all this personal stuff, let's talk about the stuff that you do. your, Your biography is incredibly impressive. You're the president of the Center of International Relations, which is one of the oldest Polish think tanks specializing in foreign affairs, so you know all about the world, and also the president and the founder of the Think Tank Center. So you know stuff, and that's what I would like us to talk about. This is a very difficult time, not only in the situation in Poland, which as we speak is just going crazy, but also in Europe, all over the world, and not just because of the pandemic, right? Where are we going, Malgozata?
2: Well, I I think just we all feel that something is going wrong somewhere. That's typical uh, situation when we live in such um, complicated times in between two eras, maybe you know, it's just like one thing is uh, is over, almost over. The times we we know, the structures and the systems, the institutions we are used to have, and something new is coming, but it's not yet there, and we don't know exactly how this how this future normal will look like. And this is very tricky to live in such a in such a era because everything is possible. And definitely in front of us, you know, in front of the globe, in front of Europe, there are bad and good scenarios and there's nothing we, we can do, you know, to, to really foresee in the future. But I think uh, what we can try to do is we can try to analyze uh, the situation. And at least, you know, from our European perspective, of course, Europe is going deeply into reforms and Europe doesn't want to be neglected. Europe doesn't want to be forgot. Especially when our listeners are from different parts of the, parts of the world, but maybe mainly also from Canada. So you also can see that the importance of Europe is, is lessening. So I think we all here in the old continent feel it, and we want to do something to stop this process. That's for sure. And there are also some other processes around us which are not so, um, so easy. Uh, The neighborhood is not stable. We have Russia, we have Turkey, which is a problem more than a solution today. And then we have, of course, this major rivalry between the US and China, which is a problem for Europe because we are just in the middle. And both sides push us to stay by one of these sides. And Europe doesn't like it. Europe would like to be an important player in this world. Europe would like to be at least a third power uh, in the multi-la- multilateral world. But it's difficult because Europe is not a state. Europe, uh, European Union, is something complicated, which is even d- d- difficult to describe. Definitely Donald Trump, but also many other politicians uh, in in the U.S. don't understand really how the EU works. And Poland, as you very well know, we are the member state of the European Union, and the European Union is not a state, it's not uh, an international organization, neither is something in between. So we have a lot of questions to put to ourselves how and where we want to go together in these 27 countries. Um, we discuss now the money, the budget, the recovery after the pandemic, which hit us very badly. Now we are having this second wave. Europe really is, in a, uh, we have a lot of issues here about it. Um, and the economic situation is very bad. So all this means uh, a lot of uh, bad feelings, uh, frustrations, but also some plans of reforms. Let's see where we can go with all that.
0: Let's zoom in now at the country which is of special interest, of course, to us, which is Poland, where you live and I used to live and where so many things are happening as we speak and we don't even know what may happen tomorrow. How is what's happening right now in Poland? How do you think it may influence uh, what's going to happen to this country on an international level as well?
2: Well, this is also another issue, not only in Poland. I think everywhere we feel that the polarization of the societies goes deeper. The people became and still, you know, become more and more radical. Maybe this is also because of the internet uh, and the possibility to to express uh, whatever views we have in whatever way, also in a very brutal way and radical way. So the public debate. uh, came out of the parliaments, out of the narrow circles, and went to the internet, um, and now everybody wants to, to to speak. So people go radical. And this influences uh, not only societies. First of all, this influences politicians who use these, mo- these moments and the techniques and the instruments, um, also the new technologies, and then they try to lead us or mislead us somewhere. And I think this is exactly happening in our country. In Poland, we used to be rather normal country, let's say. We were very happy to be a part of the West. We joined NATO, we joined the European Union. And we even had the, you know the presidency in this organization in 2011. And now it seems like very, very old times, you know, it's just centuries ago. Now the country is completely different because we are so divided. That um that puts concerns for the future. It, it is really difficult to, to imagine how can we really calm down and build up again some something which we can call community. So what? these processes doesn't ha- don't happen only in Poland. I want just to stress it, but it's sad that that it happens just to our country
0: mm-hmm. Well, my question is, where do the divisions come from, or those of our listeners who are not Polish? If you were just to explain, Why is Poland so divided and what are those lines along which it's divided? Well,
2: unfortunately, a lot uh, comes from the past because past still is important. Uh, Maybe it's too important in this country, much more important than many other countries in the world. Well, the past is also uh, manipulated and used by the politicians, of course. But uh, even without the politicians, we have to consider that history matters. So we have difficult histories. You know, Poland went through many difficult periods. We had the communist regime. We had earlier two world wars. So there is a lot of accusations, issues, also with our neighbors like Germany, like even eastern neighbors, uh, Ukraine, Lithuania, Russia. All this is very easy to maneuver and easy to, you know, start using. Bad emotions are much uh, quicker uh, to come up and much easier to, um, to play with. And these bad emotions exactly play an important role today. Uh, history is one factor. Another factor is also um, identity issues and uh, the feelings in hearts of people. I think in the recent Polish history, last two decades, maybe we were uh, a little bit too optimistic as far as uh, uh, the perception of Poland. Um, the West used to think that Poland uh, is one of the best um, uh, new uh, members of the European Union. It's very good in, uh, in being a reliable partner. And something suddenly happened. Maybe uh, it's because not really all the society, not all the Polish people were thinking a line. Maybe this was also a vision given by the elites in big cities, by intellectuals, by the circles who themselves uh, travel, speak languages, feel very well in such world. But there are also other people in Poland. There are those people who uh, who are great, who, who, who love the, the life they have, but who are not so internationalized. They don't speak languages. They don't know the world so well. And they just want to keep their life uh, the way it was. Um, And suddenly, maybe these people uh, were feeling um, not okay with some issues they couldn't really express. And if you just use this moment, and you are a politician with a smart brain, and you know how to play with these emotions, especially emotions concerning the style of living, the church, the religion the, you know, feeling Polish, um, all these very delicate issues um, we can feel in our hearts, then you can tell people many things which are not true, but which can become true for these for these guys. And I think uh, we ended up with having two different visions of Poland, completely different visions of Poland. To simplify it, one vision is uh, of Poland which is very open, westernized, who fits very well into the liberal um, way of thinking, who doesn't have issues with anyone and anything. And there is also this other Poland who tries to remain like it used to be, uh, conservative, also Catholic, with the ways, you know, which dominated our lives for, for many, many years. And uh, the church plays also an important role in this old vision because the church was, and still is an important institution. It helped Poland actually for many years to, to, to fight uh, to fight all the enemies. so it was respected and is still respected. but unfortunately, in recent years, the church stopped to be a mediator, uh, an institution of help, but started to play just one political line which I think in the long run is not good position for the church. So all this uh, means that we are now in the middle of a fight, ideological fight, but also a kind of a vision. It's, it's a fight about vision of this country, how the future should look like or where and how we see um, our country to be. And it's not easy really to stop this fight.
0: Do you think the fight has gone that far or too far in the sense that it's it will be almost impossible to reach some kind of a compromise or is there hope?
2: Well, maybe it's like when the pendulum, you know, it's, uh, it's maybe a phase which will be maybe a, a long one and maybe even brutal, but maybe we have to just go through that uh, because like in pendulum, maybe it was too uh, quickly, too early, um, in the 90s, in the years 2000, to, to want to see Poland at the same level as the Western democracies are because we didn't have so much time as they had to reach out to certain conclusions. Uh, we had different, different problems in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s. We had to uh, get rid of the, 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 the Soviet bloc. We, we had other history So if you compare our mentality and uh, our society, um, it is nothing to compare. It's just different uh, recent 50 years. The history of the uh, the last 50 years was different for the West and for the East of Europe. And now these two uh, Europes are in one organization and uh, this organization should have common base. The values... The Also somehow, you know, the respect for the laws, the rule of law, and all the uh, liberties we have um, written in the Article 2 of the European Treaties. But suddenly, it, it seems it's not so evident for all these countries together, um, especially because their uh, past was different. And that is why maybe they have to go through certain processes um, in a different way. We, in Central Eastern Europe, we didn't have time really to learn how to fit into debates with different other countries. We were too concentrated on our own internal problems. And now, if we uh, continue being like this, suddenly we discover we cannot really operate well with the other European partners. We have now difficulties in our foreign policy, with France, with Germany, with Italy, and uh, it's, it's, maybe, it's maybe a difficult thing to understand, but I think it just results from the fact that we are just 16 years in the European Union, while countries like France or Italy uh, or even Germany, the founding countries, are in the European project since the 50s. So it's a big gap of 60 years. And I think maybe uh, uh, we will do it quicker, but the phase of realizing, reflecting, and even fighting around our ideas, our new thinking about what this country is all about, what we want uh, from Europe to achieve, what what is our raison d'état, what is our strategy for the future, we just have to simply go through it. And we just discovered that in Poland, there are so many different ideas and so many different people. It's not one vision anymore. It was, the vision was to join the West. The vision was to join um, you know, the world we always felt like belonging to, but uh, we were cut out of this world for so many years. But once we, once we are there, we have to redefine our own position In the region, to ourselves, in our own uh, eyes, and also to the world. Poland can have a great future, but at the moment, maybe we are like Spain in the 30s. We are just so divided that we have to go through our own internal fight.
0: Hopefully, when we meet again, I don't know when, but I hope to invite you again maybe you will be able to say that at least part of this struggle is over, at least part of this uh, reconstructing one's identity as a country, right? That this has been achieved. But I just want to
2: um, uh, just tell you very simply, you know, every country has these moments. When you look at the history of the United States, there were so many moments when this country could really fail completely. There was even a civil war. Who knows? Let's hope we'll avoid it. Pandemic it's like a little bit a substitute of a war. Let's hope so. But uh, it's never it's never done in an easy way. So in front of us, I think, is just years or maybe a decade of troubles. But once we are able to discuss it, to spit it out, you know, to confront the fact that we are different, that we have to look for some compromise somehow. Uh, And then time goes much quicker now than in 18th century or 19th century. Mm -hmm. So maybe these processes will not take too long and will not be too brutal.
0: Well, let's hope so. Well, I want to thank you. We could probably talk and talk and talk because you're such an interesting interlocutor. But, you know, time is up. So I just want to thank you for being with us. And I hope that, I mean, for me, this was a very, very interesting overview of the things that I kind of know but you know it's good to hear that from you especially because you have that international global perspective so thank you Małgorzata Małgosia it's amazing to have you on the show
2: <laughs> thank you so much and i hope uh, uh, i hope to hear from you uh, often and i also hope for the project all the best many more uh, interesting interviews and interesting people
0: Thank you very much. We hope that Poland is going to be okay and that there's going to be no problems and the pandemic is over and that we can all go and visit our country because I haven't been able to go, although I really wanted to. Thanks a lot and all the best in everything you do in all these projects that you're involved in, in think tanks, podcasts, uh, your journalism, everything you do, It's it's very important for Poland. Thank you. Thank you. I do encourage you to go to Facebook podcast page. For quite a while, I have been posting articles about Poland in foreign press in English. So for you who don't speak the language, but who are interested in Poland, that's a fascinating uh, source of information. American newspapers, British, Canadian, but also some that are published in other countries. Sometimes also from Poland, but all in English. So I'm sure that could be of great interest to our listeners. If you like what you heard, share it and tell others. If you want to help me make Polcast, please donate to our podcast fundraising campaign, mypolcast.com/support. Every penny counts and will be most helpful in paying for servers, equipment, etc. Thank you to all our existing patrons. Your help is greatly appreciated.